3: Our topic today is challenges for school children of fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. Now, back in 2014, the World Health Organization published what it called guidelines for the identification and management of substance use and substance use disorders in pregnancy. And it recognized FASD, that is fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, as a range of physical and brain-related developmental abnormalities attributed to the effects of alcohol on the unborn child, the fetus. Fetal alcohol spectrum disorders last a lifetime. They create serious challenges throughout all the stages of life, such as wide variations in symptoms, which complicate and lead to errors in medical diagnosis, which cause delays in making the diagnosis and implementing appropriate care. Now, fetal alcohol spectrum disorders have no cure, but even though no one treatment is right for everyone, nevertheless, there there are reasons for hope associated with some types of support. And Fetal alcohol spectrum disorders create challenges for school children, their families and family caregivers throughout all the stages of school. All of which is why our topic, Challenges for School Children and Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorders, is so important for school children, their families and family caregivers and for their schools. Now to sc- discuss uh, this this topic, my guest is Mark Kortepat. Mark is, a, is co-chair of the Hamilton and Area Parent and Caregiver FASD Support Group and one of the organising members of the Youth and Sibling FASD Support Group. He's also a member of the Hamilton-Wentworth District School Board Special Education Advisory Committee. He was successful in persuading the Hamilton-Wentworth District School Board to recognise FASD as an act- an exceptionality and to assist other support groups across Ontario to achieve the same success. He's often asked to participate at parent-teacher meetings to assist in developing a collaborative approach to enhance understanding of how to support children with FASD. He participated in the Ontario Ministry of Child and Youth Services roundtable session to develop a formal FASD strategy for Ontario and he's a member of the FASD political action group to support change in government policies for FASD. So welcome to the show, Mark.
1: Thank you, Gordon. It's my pleasure to be here.
3: Great. First question for you, Mark, please. Please tell us more about your work, your personal work with the Hamilton and Area parent and Caregiver FASD support group.
1: Uh, I guess, firstly, there's uh, as you mentioned in your opening comments, Gordon, there's two support groups and they're both absolutely tremendous support groups. Um, The first one, which is the uh, parent caregiver support group, the focus really of that group is to provide support and assistance as um, parents and caregivers really do truly feel lost and helpless as there is a total lack of support services available for them. Uh, One of the key things that we try to do is to promote collaboration and participation. Uh, over time, uh, many of the parents and caregivers who are participating on the support group have developed knowledge and skills and they collaborate and help each the other parents and caregivers by sharing their approaches and their experiences. And that has been extremely, extremely valuable uh, with that firsthand experience. The youth and uh, with FASD and their sibling support group um, is an incredible group of children. It's 10 to 20 year olds. And it really is unique, um, as far as we're aware, and we've actually tried to research it, we believe it's the only one of its kind, um, certainly in Ontario and quite definitely in Canada, and quite possibly in Canada, um, as well as in the US. The focus of that group actually is to provide an environment for the uh, the youth and siblings to have fun, to, to feel comfortable, to feel accepted. Uh, and at the same time, to feel uh, the ability to learn and to understand more about FASD. We also are connected with other support groups um, across Ontario and they provide great value and importance to our members as well through training, awareness and support sharing. So it's been a real sharing opportunity. Uh, And as you commented, we heavily collaborate and receive parent, caregiver and children referrals for assistance from school boards, um, as well as services such as children's aid Catholic Family Services, and more recently even the youth court system through referrals.
3: Now, please tell us about your experiences of FASD, that is, the experiences that your work, your personal work has created for you. Mark? Uh,
1: the, um, I, I think, Gordon, anyone who does volunteer work uh, understands that when you do volunteer work, it, it, it truly is tremendously rewarding. And you always receive far back more than you can ever imagine, whatever you've put into it. Um, But anyone who does volunteer work as well, too, at times, it just seems endless, um, as there are just so many people particularly affected by FASD, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Um, And compounding that, of course, is there's just so few services available to really provide them with real help. Um, the support groups actually have uh, filled that niche or filled that that gap by providing critical assistance to the parents and caregivers and, and their children, of course. Um, while there are you know, certainly some professionals who do try to assist, um, the key message we've heard back from most parents who are members say that they really lack the real-life experience of dealing with a person with FASD, and I think that's where uh, the rubber hits the road, so to speak. Uh, FASD has truly has unique challenges. Um, it is a global issue. Um, but one of the things that we've also learned is that people with FASD, they're all different. Um, but at the same time, they also have so many common characteristics. Um, and many of those issues are caused by whether it's the medical systems, lack of awareness, lack of diagnostic capabilities. Uh, frequently, the wrong diagnosis as mental illness, such as ADHD, is a common, um, a common occurrence. Uh, lack of skills and knowledge as well to provide real help, as I mentioned, for parents and caregivers. So um, my volunteer work has really made me realize the tremendous need for people to truly understand fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And uh, during that time, I've really I've encountered some tremendous people. Uh, parents and caregivers really do want to help their children desperately, and they, they just don't know what to do. Um, and one of the positive relationships that's been working, as I mentioned in my earlier comments, is working with the school boards. Uh, we, we've uh, certainly have provided uh, tremendous input and support for them through supporting parents and teachers' understanding, uh, referral by the school board from the parents and caregivers to join our support group, as well as working together to create, you know, um, a far greater awareness, alliances, and a much stronger team to help the children.
3: Right. Now, I want – you to tell us more and in more detail about the support that's provided to school children to their families and their family caregivers by the groups we've already talked about the Hamilton uh, area parent and fair caregiver FASD support group and the like in other words talk to us about the support that's actually provided to the to these to the children and their families
1: Sure. Um, there are two key areas that affect school children, um, and obviously one is at home and, and at school is the second major area. And it really is critical that support is provided in, in both those areas. Uh, our our focus of our support group is really to help parents and caregivers first they understand fetal alcohol spectrum disorder and how they need to change to help their children rather than how they need to change their children, which I think is the common uh, common belief or false belief, when they understand and they learn the skills, uh, they truly are better able to support their child, um, avoid common behaviors, the meltdowns, and really enable their child to grow and to learn and be successful. Um, and as I mentioned, schools are another area. They are absolutely critical to the child's success. Um, the role we've uh, played with the school board is that we really, um, there's several areas. One is certainly where commonly Uh, asked to participate in parent-teacher meetings Um, and in that area we've really tried to focus on how to participate and how to help the parents and teachers better understand how to support a child with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder in the school and many times the trigger is a result of a major issue whether it's being suspended and in some cases 911 and the police are called Um, But certainly assisting uh, not just with that but also things like the individual placement review committee as well as the individual education plans for the child as well. And uh, the identification of the exceptionality and placement are extremely important as without the identification, if you're not considered to be under the exceptionalities, the individual education plan or IEP is, is not legally binding on the school or the teacher. Um And the individual education plan, of course, is extremely critical. You know many times we hear from parents they're being just asked to sign the plan rather than to really provide input, and they don 't understand that they have the legal right to to impose their needs and their uh, their input into the plan. Um, And their experience and input is so critically important, and it absolutely must be included in the plan without this. You know, I I really uh, feel bad for teachers. How really can they provide the necessary support without truly understanding that child?
3: Now, let me just ask you to explain a word you've used a couple of times, exceptionalities. Please say more about what those are.
1: Part? Sure, there are uh, five categories for exceptionalities um, and under the Ministry of education uh, I'm just going to try to see if I can remember them all here uh yes. learning disability uh physical uh, which of course um, is uh, typically it's it's more so recognized uh like I mentioned learning disability multiple is another one the um, exceptionality uh is uh, a key. Uh, key requirement uh, is part of the Identification Placement Review Committee, and uh, there are five categories, behavior, communication, intellectual, uh, physical, and, and multiple. And uh, one of the key aspects of the um, exceptionality is in order to obtain services, uh, whether you're in Ontario or other provinces across Canada, Um, A child actually must be identified under one of those five exceptionality lists uh, in order to get services such as EAs, uh, special equipment support services. And again, that is a requirement required by the Ministry of Education.
3: Right. Very clear. Now, we've arrived at the time where we have to take the break. And every time I make the same joke which is this is where we have to pay the rent. So we're going to do that now. This is Dr. Gordon My guest is Mark Cortepat. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on Voice America's health and wellness and variety channels, CJMP ninety point one FM Community Radio and SharingTheBurden.ca Please stay with us when coming back.
4: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go, on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
2: Museums are great places to work and wonderful places to visit. But are they essential? How can we improve our museum practice so that museums remain vital and essential players in society? Listen for Museum Life with host Carol Bossert, where each week we'll discuss timely and topical issues of concern to the museum community. Museum Life can be heard live every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
5: Do you love to travel? Now, that's a silly question, isn't it? Who doesn't love to travel? Join Lindsay T. Boyd, a.k.a. the Dreamweaver, for Travel Time. A professional travel agent, Lindsay will spotlight the world of travel. From maps and other travel tools to make your trips easier, to your rights as a passenger, to different aspects of travel, such as sports, faith, or experiential vacations. Travel Time with Lindsay T. Boyd. Dreamweaver airs live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety.
0: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN.
2: You You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg.com at MyMonami.com. That's Doc, letter G, at mymonami.com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite.
3: Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Pat. Our topic is Challenges for School Children of Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorders, Mark, now let's talk about the challenges created by fetal alcohol spectrum disorders for school children throughout their time in school. So first off, please tell us about the challenges for school children when they begin their lives as school children. Mark?
1: Uh, certainly. One of the the key challenges or perhaps the, the start of the challenge is due to that severe lack of diagnostic capability and availability that we mentioned earlier in the call is many children actually um, arrive in school for the first time, the potential of FASD becomes visible. And in fact, for many individuals, many children, uh, it. It is not uncommon uh, for a teacher or a principal to contact a parent to say we think there's a possibility your child may have FASD and it's a very difficult situation as you can appreciate. Um, what happens typically is the children's behavior stand out, uh, they experience learning challenges that truly become visible. Uh, they have slower processing, their inability to transition through diffi- through activities. Um, and the, the key th- the distinction there is that the normal school regimen is really designed for neurotypical children. Um, they're often viewed as being insubordinate, defiant, or that they're not trying hard enough, uh, or even daydreaming, whereas actually they're not daydreaming. In, in most cases, they're perseverating rather than daydreaming, meaning they're super focusing on something in order to help them cope or to block out uh, something that is causing anxiety for them. Uh, as a child, progresses through the school system, uh, the challenges truly do become greater and greater. Um, And uh, things like, as I mentioned, the slow processing, the inability to transition, and the cognitive abilities create huge challenges for the child And it results, as I mentioned, in suspensions, um, adverse behavior, uh, being abused, possibly being taken advantage of. Uh, However, when the teacher and the parents and caregivers really truly understand FASD, and how to support it, the child can thrive and the behaviors in most cases are virtually eliminated.
3: Now, let me just pick you up on the, on the particular word thrive. That is to say, I'm just repeating back to you what you said because I think it's profoundly important. That is to say, once the parents and the teachers are in communication with each other and understanding what's going on, then there's a change for the better.
1: Mark, is that right? Absolutely. Uh, if you consider it's almost like if you were to have a, a child who was blind and uh, you took away their braille supports and you expected them to read the books um, that normal children have to read. Uh, frankly, how could they thrive? How could they survive? Uh, they would become frustrated. They would not be able to learn and as a result um, become uh, – their behaviors, frankly, I wouldn't be you know surprised that even a, a child who was blind would experience the same anxieties and the same uh, – frustrations that a child with fetal alcohol experiences when they're not getting the same level of support in the schools as well.
3: Right. Now, next question to you. Same same format of questions. Please tell us about the challenges created by fetal alcohol spectrum disorders for school, school children as they change from children into teenagers. Mark? Uh,
1: the shift to being a teenager certainly is a, is a major transition. Um, and there are two of the major challenges that occur. Are firstly, there's usually far less support in high schools, uh, and the curriculum is is far more challenging. Uh, the schools typically focus on providing skills to enable a student to become independent, and that really is their goal for every student in the school system. Whereas for a child with uh, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, they really need to develop skills to make them successfully dependent or interdependent, is the phrase we use. Um, as well, the other major challenge is just becomes far more visible. Uh, typically, a, an individual with fetal alcohol is, uh, has maturity most commonly about half their chronological age. Um, and a child in the elementary school system who maybe is only six or seven years old or eight years old, maybe acting three or four, it's only a couple of years different and the difference in maturity is not really a major distinction However, when they're in high school, acting seven or eight years old when other students are 15 or 16, there is a significant maturity gap or difference, and that really makes it extremely difficult for them. They really do stand out as a result of that. Um, they all want to be normal. Uh, they want to be accepted. They truly find it harder to fit in. Um, there's increased risk and incidents of being harassed, uh, being bullied, being taken advantage of. And as well, they have difficulty keeping and making friends. Um, In in a nutshell, life really truly becomes increasingly more difficult for them as they become teenagers.
3: Now, let me ask you to say a little bit more about another word you use, interdependent. Just exactly, please explain to us what seeking interdependence actually means.
1: Yes, interdependence – Deals with, uh, I think there's two aspects to it, Gordon. Certainly, uh, independence, obviously, being the contrary to it, where they act on their own, they're able to make their own decisions. Uh, a child with fetal alcohol, in fact, most adults living with fetal alcohol can actually make many, if uh, many decisions on their own, and they're not. Uh, dependent for everything in their life, so they have an interdependence. There are things that they actually do have to depend on other individuals for, which re- is commonly referred to as the external brain uh, individual. Uh, today, the external brains for most children is their parents or caregivers, uh, and as they become adults, they really too have this this concept of inter interdependence where they have to rely not only on themselves because if they do try to rely on themselves. Um, but not being able to keep time, not making appointments and so on, it really sets them up for failure. And again, that's the, one of the key messages that we've communicated to the school system is you really have to shift and you have to change the, the goal and the focus for a child with fetal alcohol. And again, their individual education plan also has to reflect that as well too. You really want to set them up for success. And if you set them up with an expectation of being independent – then you are setting them up for failure.
3: What does failure actually look like, Mark, when it occurs?
1: Uh, Failure is uh, everything from uh, being in conflict with the law, uh, and in fact, quite often as a result of the inability uh, for them to be able to cope uh, and to deal with the anxieties and the challenges. Many of them may turn to either uh, drugs or alcohol. In fact, quite often uh, addictions to prescription medications um, and those are are, are really common they are, we refer to them as secondary or tertiary uh, effects of fetal alcohol they 're avoidable when an individual has the right supports. however, without the supports, then they really, really are highly exposed to to being victims of the unfortunate circumstances of these tertiary or secondary disabilities.
3: right now, please tell us about the challenges. Again, fetal alcohol spectrum disorders for school children. When they complete school, they're at the end of the school, and they're now moving on to being ad- adults. What are the challenges then, Mark?
1: The um, probably the, the biggest one I think is is the uh, the drop off in supports, and, and in fact that was one of the things that when we spoke to the Ministry of Child and Youth Services roundtable session for fetal alcohol, is that they cut off an individual at age eighteen. Uh, when if you consider the maturity rather than the chronological age, you're really cutting off someone who's only an eight or nine-year-old child from support, and that just makes no sense. Uh, nowhere would you do that with another disabled individual. Uh, and for many, if they don't receive the proper support during the school term, uh, they can become, as I mentioned, frustrated, depressed. Um, and, and if you look at some of the recent research, you know, people with FASD are at a 60% chance of disrupted school experiences, Uh, 35% alcohol and drug problems, uh, 49% inappropriate sexual behavior, 95% mental health problems, and up to 60% of them with fetal alcohol will come in conflict with the law at some point in time in their lives. So many of them with FASD will encounter challenges getting and keeping a job, maintaining a relationship, managing money. Um, If they don't have the right supports, many will become homeless as well and revert to drugs or alcohol, as I mentioned, for relief. Uh, or, as, as I noted, it, they end up in conflict with the law, as they are, without a doubt, they could be very easily manipulated and impulsive due to the brain damage. Their success really, truly um, depends heavily on having that external brain support person, and they will need that external brain support person for life.
3: And presumably, in when they're at this stage of their life, the... Um, difference between the chronological age and, so to speak, the mental age is still a major problem. That, that's right, is it?
1: Absolutely. Um, and, again, if you consider someone who's 20 years old going out and getting a job um, when really they may be, maturity-wise, only about a 10 or 11-year-old uh, paying rent, supporting themselves, um, it really is mission impossible for them. Uh, and not surprisingly, without supports, uh, they are setting themselves up for failure. And that, again, that's why we really – our message to the Ministry of Child and Youth Services is that you really they critically need to provide ongoing support. Many of the people and the parent and caregivers who actually are supporting these uh, people with FASD, well over 80% of them are actually not the biological parents. Many of them are grandparents, and they're aging, and they are scared, very, very afraid of what happens to their child when they, uh, as they get older uh, because of the fact that there's such a, a tremendous lack of supports available for them when they become adults.
3: I've been told, Mark, that... When they reach the age of eighteen these 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 children uh, no longer children um, support f- for them is no longer automatic. that is to say, um, they have the decision the ability or they're allowed to make the decision whether or not they need the care that they've previously been giving given, and some of them decide against it. Is that more or less right what I just said? <laughs>
1: It is, um, and in fact, sometimes their friends may say to them, uh, "No, you don't need to do that. You're getting your own money. Um, you should, you know, make your own decisions." Um, and the problem with it, of course, is because of impulsivity, which is caused by the brain damage. Um, they may actually spend their entire uh, disability support uh, benefits if they are if they are fortunate enough to receive any. Uh, in the first couple of the days, they may forget to pay their rent. So, yes, it, it is extremely common um, that they may actually challenge that. The problem with it is, again, it's, it's not their fault. It's the brain damage, which prevents them from being able to make, um, you know, they, they lack in executive skills, they lack the ability to make the right decisions. And again, that's why it's so critically important that they have someone that they trust someone who really truly cares about them that they trust will make the best decisions and help them navigate. Right.
3: Now, we've reached the time for the break, so we'll take this now. This is Dr. Gordon Adler. my guest is Mark Kortopat. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on Voice America's Health and Wellness and Variety channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio, and sharingthemurden.ca. Please stay with us. We're
0: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN.
6: Families today face unique challenges. Marriage, parenting, and family forms have changed a lot in the last century.
4: whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You know I
2: need
5: someone
2: You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to
3: our listeners today. Family Caregivers Unite and Mark Kortopat. Our topic is challenges for school children of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Now, we're actually going to talk more about the challenges, but particularly from the perspective of the support and how it works. So, first off, Mark, please tell us about the ways in which support actually helps school children as they begin their school days and their families uh, when they... The children are living with fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. How does it work, the support? No?
1: That's a, it's a great question, but it's perhaps a difficult question as they, there truly are so many ways that, that support and understanding creates positive effects for school children with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. It really starts at home, um, and one of the things that we really try to convey to parents and caregivers is that traditional parenting methods truly do not work for children with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. In fact, not only do they not work, it really truly can make this situation far worse Um, It's kind of like putting gas on a fire. Uh, Dr. Ross Green uh, is a clinical psychologist and author of The Explosive Child and Lost at School, uh, two books, and he coined the phrase, kids do well if they can. And that's a key message because we really find that they really do want to do well. The challenge they have is they either don't know how to do well and unfortunately, a lot of the traditional things we always say to parents, uh, take everything you've ever learned about parenting and throw it away because it really, you have to do what is perhaps unnatural uh, and quite different in order to have success for children with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And again, we really reinforce the fact it is brain-based. When children respond differently, it's not intentional or willful. It isn't not won't, it's that they can't. Um, Helping them transition uh, is so critically important as they start school. Uh, Lack of executive thinking and cognitive skills Now, proper support and understanding really allows them to get ready for school and to not be overwhelmed and to reduce the anxiety. Um, Being able to learn, you know, slow down the processing time, asking simple questions, uh, pausing between questions. I mean, frankly, we talk far too fast for someone with FASD. Um, Recognize that they only actually process about every third word and it takes about about 10 seconds for them to process the average statement. But if I jumble it up, talk quickly. They'll only pick up about every third word. They'll take 10 seconds to process it. And frankly, they probably will actually not do what I'm asking them to do. And that's not surprising, again, because their brain isn't picking up on what I'm saying and how I'm saying it. So really understanding that behaviors are really a symptom of brain damage, and not because they're intentionally acting out. So when, when we look at school children and their families... No, support really starts at home and, it, and when they go into school, it's certainly – it's having that, that uh, teacher who really truly understands it, who provides them the time out when they're being overwhelmed, who allows them a quiet space so that they can de- decompress, who gives them the ability to, um, to really truly learn at the level they can learn. We truly do find that they have amazing skills and amazing abilities. The problem with it is we just prevent them from achieving it. Right.
3: Now, a difficult question in the same way that the previous one was. Please tell us about the ways in which support helps school children as they change from children into teenagers uh, and for the help for the families and family caregivers. Um, We're now talking about overcoming challenges created by fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. But the fact of the matter is, As children, all children turn into teenagers, they change and they often reveal themselves in the kind of difficulties that parents and relatives have with them. That's not being critical. That's just somebody with this experience speaking. So what about the support for school children as they change from children into teenagers? Mm -hmm.
1: Certainly. um, As everyone knows, becoming a teenager is is challenging for all children um, and their parents, even neurotypical children, um, as they experience uh, the desires to become more independent, uh, the desires to um, experiment with things, uh, being uh, perhaps – I'll use the word defiant, but I'm cautioned there that it's really not defiant. It's more so challenging their parents, but frankly, even neurotypical children can do that. And again, that's usually not well received by most parents. So, But for FASD children, uh, when they become teenagers, they experience even greater challenges. Um, and to a large degree, a um, the, the big part of it is because of the fact that they're under significantly greater expectations. Uh, Their friends are starting to make career choices. They lose the friends as their dismaturity is more visible. Um, They really don't have the same interests as their friends. So it becomes extremely difficult uh, for them to maintain friends. um, And and depression is an extremely high risk for them at that age. Um, They want to be loved and to be appreciated, but they just don't know how. Uh, and you know, One of the, the key success factors that we found um, as they become teenagers in particular um, to prepare them for becoming an adult is to teach them self-worth and value. Uh, they may have a disability, but frankly, they every single one of them have unique skills and strengths. And when they, they have self-worth, they avoid many of the common tertiary things that I mentioned before, the drugs, the alcohol, the conflict with the law. So, we encourage parents to to encourage and promote you know active participation in groups such as the youth support group, um, the sea cadets or the the scouts uh, or other examples they provide structure and routine uh, find out really what they 're good at and build on their strength and skill for instance if they 're good with animals um, Get them to volunteer at a local animal shelter. They'll love it, and in fact, they'll actually feel good about themselves. And there's nothing more powerful than feeling uh, self-worth and value for an individual who, frankly, grows up feeling less than, feeling damaged, feeling broken, to actually have that feeling of self-worth. It is so amazing to see that happen. Um, And parents and caregivers, they really need to understand their challenges to help them be successful. You know, even some simple things like when they come home from school, typical parents – and I, I know I was guilty of this myself um, with neurotypical children. And, uh, as soon as they come in the door, you want to be a, a an interested parent and you ask them, so how was the day? And we don't give them time to transition into a child with FASD. They just feel like they're being barraged with questions and they're overwhelmed. Give them time to decompress. Um, maintain a strong relationship with them uh, and truly – Um, My key message is let them know that you love them always. And remember that when they explode and they have a meltdown or they use abusive behavior, it's because they don't know how to express their anxiety and fears. Don't take it personally. Remember, it's brain damage.
3: Right. Now, please tell us, same question, same structure, same difficulty, about the ways in which support helps school children as they complete school and move on to being adults. Talk to us about their these children's um, needs that emerge on this huge transition from school to adult life. Mark?
1: Sure. As we mentioned the, um, in the earlier, uh, earlier question, Gordon, there's a real lack of supports when they become adults. And um, it is critical that support is provided through their lifetime as their children, uh, as young children, as they become teenagers, um, and if if the support is provided throughout their life, then they have far greater success when they become adults i mean frankly, you really really want to build it through their lifetime so that they do have that foundation uh you know it provides them the ability to understand their strengths and weaknesses um, to identify what skills or abilities they have they can use to provide value and self worth and those are those are really all uh absolutely critical to their success as being an adult. Um, it teaches them – again, the, the phrase I used earlier was that interdependence. It really helps them understand what they could do themselves and when they really need help. Um, finding an employer, uh, as I mentioned, you know, maintaining a job is extremely difficult. I remember attending a conference recently, and uh, one of the uh, speakers mentioned he had spoken to a young man who – uh, they asked him, they said, gee, I, I heard you had difficulty getting a job. He said, or, And he said, no, no. He said, I've actually had 25 jobs in the last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, really having employers who are understanding a job that's well-suited for them and using the tools, you know, such as smartphones to help them get to work on time or to get to appointments on time – Really using some of these tools, but it's really I, – I truly believe that the, the best tool you can provide an individual as an adult is if you can provide the supports through their lifetime and their young children. When they become teenagers, you're preparing them for success as adults. When they feel self-worth and they feel value, uh, they will become productive members and they will do some amazing, amazing things. Um, And again, uh, continue reformation of self-worth and value. And as I've mentioned, maintain a really strong, open and caring relationship because frankly, they can and will become successful if we allow them to.
3: And this also, presumably, this is the question, brings the family and the family caregiver into that sense of satisfaction or pleasure or relief. That things are going okay, and that we recognize what we need to recognize. We behave as we should behave. And look, our child is benefiting or our young adult is benefiting from this. Is that correct? What I just said to you?
1: Absolutely, uh, absolutely, when you know parents i mean bear in mind that for, for the parents, every parent wants their child to be successful, every single parent wants the best for their child um, and and the frustrations of seeing lack of supports uh, dealing with society who really uh, looks down on them and and blames them in many cases for being a bad parent. Um, even family members can be really difficult for parents, uh, frankly, because of the fact that they really, truly don't understand it. But when you have a parent who sees the value and, and actually sees the success and sees the changes happen, um, it's absolutely amazing. It really, truly is absolutely amazing. And it's so rewarding, you know, not only for the child, but for the parents and caregivers. Because as I mentioned earlier, uh, many of them are actually being supported by uh, older parents or grandparents. Um, and it's very scary to not know what the future holds for that young child. And when they become a young man or a young woman, uh, and they're only really maturity wise a 10 or 11 year old.
3: Right. Now, we once again, the tyranny of time. So we're going to take the break. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley. My guest is Mark Kortopat. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on Voice America's health and wellness and variety channels, CJMP 90.1 FM Community Radio and SharingTheBurden.ca. Please stay with us. We're coming back.
4: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
6: Tired of lackluster results with your marketing?
5: Tune in each week for Monica Phillips and Powerful Conversations. This is a thought-provoking show for business people, leaders, and entrepreneurs. We'll feature today's thought leaders and industry trendsetters from across several locations and industries. Give yourself permission to be inspired and live a fulfilling life. Be sure to listen to Powerful Conversations, live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN.
2: You know I need someone.
0: You are listening to Family Caregivers
2: Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at mymonami.com. That's doc, letter G, at M-Y-M-O-N-A-M-I dot com. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome
3: back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Mark Kortopat. Our topic is challenges for school children of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Now, let's talk about what more you want to do and you want to see done and by whom to promote support for school children living with fetal alcohol spectrum disorders and for their families and their family caregivers. So, first of all, what more do you want to do through Hamilton and area parents and Caregiver FASD support group, and it's like, to promote support for elementary school children living with fetal alcohol spectrum disorders and for their families. Mark? Um,
1: certainly, there's, uh, there's a number of things. Even though I think we've accomplished uh, many things, there's so much more we still have yet to accomplish. Uh, I think creating a, a stronger network across Ontario and Canada um, is absolutely critical uh, for us to be successful. Creating greater awareness um, will be pivotal on that as well. Um, lobby for greater support and services, especially for diagnostic clinics where uh, it's really difficult. In fact, frankly, there are virtually no doctors in the Hamilton area that can actually diagnose FASD as an example. Individuals have to travel 20, 30 miles in order to get a diagnosis. And the lineups and the wait list is, is quite excessive. Um, If you look at even at Health Canada's FASD incidence estimates, Ontario has more people affected by FASD than BC, Alberta, and Saskatchewan combined. However, our level of support services is substantially inferior to any of those provinces. We need to lobby the government to ensure that all family doctors and pediatricians are educated on FASD. Um, Our focus, certainly, we would love to help other support groups in Ontario to ensure that their school boards also recognize FASD isn't an exceptionality, um, and to assist them uh, in in achieving that. Um, As well, to enhance the tools and the information on our support group site, we've tried to put as much information as possible to help our parents and caregivers, but I do think that we're constantly looking for better tools and better ways to help uh, support our parents and our caregivers. Um, And I also think it would be absolutely fantastic if we could create a a coaching team of some type where uh, volunteer parents who really, I would say, learn through the school of of hard knocks and have earned their stripes and actually know how to properly support a child with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder can actually help coach a parent or a caregiver. And uh, to me, that would be hugely, hugely uh, beneficial given the lack of support services available to them today.
3: Right. Now, what more would you want to see done by other organisations, such as the school system, schools, to promote support for high school children living with fetal alcohol spectrum disorders and for their families and family caregivers? Mark?
1: Well, I I think certainly um, all the school boards uh, really, truly need to properly train teachers and EAs and support staff on on FASD. Um, High schools in particular are are probably more difficult, again, because of the fact that um, the challenges associated with it uh, are so far more demanding upon the individuals as they become teenagers. So it's absolutely critical that their awareness, their training, um, not only is one – what is requ- what FASD is about, but actually how to support these children, um, you know, and, and I, I also think that including FASD awareness of the risks of any alcohol during pregnancy, you know, frankly, it really should be in a sex education program, as an example, uh, to ensure uh, while we know that many doctors and psychiatrists are not trained in FASD awareness and diagnostics today at the very minimum if we could have you know a generations of children who are graduating who actually have through their sex ed programs learned and understood the risks associated with consuming alcohol during pregnancy I mean that to me that would be absolutely fantastic Um, Also, organizations such as uh, Children's Aid Services, who provide children for adoption, they really need to provide full disclosure and properly inform parents and caregivers about the potential of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And even if they do do make them aware of the potential… Um, they can't stop there. I think they really need to provide the training and the ongoing support. It's not like, you know, shake their hands, hand on the baby, shake their hands and send them on their way. Uh, you really, really you need to provide the support throughout that child's life so that the parents are, are best able and best trained and best able to support that child. Um, all too often, they're not informed and doctors misdiagnose the disability. Um, and truly, parents and caregivers and their children are absolutely lost.
3: Just to draw a parallel, there are several medical conditions that begin early in life and stay with the people who have to live with it. And diabetes is one example. Um, That's a question then of continuing care almost through an entire lifespan. I'm seeing a parallel challenge for fetal alcohol spectrum disorders that is to say it begins early whenever the first diagnosis is made and it goes on through life as life brings changes to situations and circumstances first of all do you agree with that and secondly if you do agree with that how do we maintain that consistency throughout the life of a a child living adult living with FASD
1: uh, for, certainly, firstly, I, I do agree that without a doubt, it has such similarities to other uh, disabilities, such as diabetes, where it is a lifetime disability. Um, there is no cure for it, uh, without a doubt. Uh, however, um, there is healing, as we call. It. We don't call it to try to provide a cure, but we do provide. Uh, there, there is healing that is available. Um, individuals who. Uh, both the parents and caregivers as well as the individuals as they grow up, go through the uh, typical change, uh, the denial, um, the refusal, the anger, uh, and then the acceptance. And as they go through those those stages, uh, it really is important that that throughout that that continuum, as I mentioned, when you talked about consistency – when I commented about the fact that uh, you know, it, it's not just providing support when they were adults, you have to do it when they're young children, you have to do it when they're teenagers, as they become youth, as they become adults, and frankly, throughout their adulthood. Um, you know, it's, it is a lifetime disability.
3: Right. And, Sorry, I was not mean to interrupt you there, but we, we just have a couple of minutes left and I want to ask you a rather loaded question. Um, What do you think about the role of Internet radio services such as Family Caregivers Unite in giving voice to school children living with fetal alcohol spectrum disorders and to their families and family caregivers? Now, I know that's a loaded question because this is an Internet radio show that (laughs) my guest on. But what do you really think? Please
4: tell us.
1: And I'm being totally frank and honest, Gordon. I mean, without a doubt, the Internet. Plays an incredibly strong role. It really truly connects parents and caregivers. And um, the fact that, as I mentioned, uh, FASD is is mo- the most underdiagnosed and misdiagnosed disability that I'm aware of. And having this type of program, Voice of America, um, is so so incredibly powerful because. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if someone listening to this hears comments about some of the behaviors that I mentioned and about some of the challenges and then doesn't say, gee, I wonder if my child has that. Um, And that's where I think this is so powerful. And I think without a doubt, I I do see the huge value in it. Frankly, it's sad, but many people would not even know about FASD if they counted on their family doctors or pediatricians. Um, We had a a pediatrician today who actually um, recently said to one of our school uh, social workers uh, when they were asked for a referral for an FASD diagnosis when the child stood up and they said – Gee, that child's too tall. He can't have FASD, which is so ludicrous. Right. Um, you know, had another family doctor who said, um, "No, there's no chance this person had uh, has FASD because they have to consume alcohol through the thirtieth week." I mean, it's 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 just preposterous. Yes. Uh, so, the internet programs such as this do provide tremendous awareness of the support that's available and. Uh, I'm, I'm extremely appreciative of you asking me to speak about FASD yeah. and to the folks at The Voice of America for thank making you very this much. available to so many people.
3: Now, uh, I want to say thank you to you to say please keep up the struggle because that's what it is. Please be successful for all the reasons you've so carefully explained to us. So thank you. Now to our listeners I say for comments or to ask questions of Mark or if you'd like to be a guest on the show here's the email address to use docg at family unite, all one dot org and I'll pass along any messages you send now to our listeners please join us for our next episode United Healthcare Resources for Family Caregivers